How is everyone this morning? It's full over here. Did you guys not wear your deodorant this morning? Everybody all right? Okay, all right, good, good. That's a quick exit. Oh my goodness. Yeah, no pressure at all. Matt, if you're listening to this later on, I apologize up front. So good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Stacy Ratliff. My wife Ann and I are from Revive Bitterroot. That is in the Bitterroot Valley, just south of Missoula. We are still associated with Revive Missoula. We launched out of there about five years ago. And, uh, but we are, I was telling Evan that we're really two completely different churches. The demographics are completely different. Missoula is a, a university, a town a little bit more liberal. Uh, the Bitterroot Valley is rural and uh, uh, more farming, that type of deal. And so demographics are different, um, but God's blessing both congregations as we are on missions together. Uh, it's really nice to be here this morning. We actually came over on Thursday. I do have to admit we came over and fished Coeur d'Alene Lake. I think I got a picture. We did catch these a couple of days ago. Um, we made them look really big. We stuck them out close to the camera. They were not that big. Um, I have to admit, I loved a bass fish, but this was my first time on the lake, and we didn't do all that great, and caught a really nice pike yesterday. And then when we came out of this cove yesterday about noon, it was nice and calm in the cove. Holy smokes. I have never seen such big waves. There were some big boats. I got a 19-foot bass boat. I, was, I felt tiny. I felt like in a little dinghy. And so we hit a few rogue waves, and we stopped and put our life jackets on and our kill switch, and, and we made it back safe. But uh, we have been enjoying our time over here. When Pastor Matt reached out to me back in March and asked me if I'd fill in for him as he was on sabbatical, he gave me the topic of family. And I'd like to think I know a little bit about family. Ann and I have been married for 32 years. We raised three wonderful daughters that are living for the Lord. Uh, my oldest daughter, Courtney, is our worship leader, and she actually asked me, she goes, can I do come, come do worship with you on, uh, when you come over and speak? And I just didn't have time to put it together, and, and uh, actually, I, I thought she would be there this weekend uh, worshiping, but she, she, there was somebody else filling in, but uh, um, we love to have her. Callie, my middle daughter, works at Alliance Defending Freedom in in Phoenix, and my youngest daughter is a child and adolescent therapist in Chattanooga, Tennessee, with her, her and her husband are there. But Ann and I were involved in a parenting ministry for over 20 years. So we've taught mom and dads how to raise godly children, how to be a part of a family. And I love being a pastor now of a really big family called Revive Bitterroot. And Family is made up, obviously we know this, made up of moms and dads, made up of brothers and sisters, aunts and uncles, crazy aunts and uncles. And I think some of us, we play all of those roles at different times. And I know some of you probably play the crazy aunt and uncle a little bit too often. But um, we have fun at that. But family can get messy, can it? You guys have to, like, respond. There you go. There you go. Families also where God's love is intended to be exemplified, experienced, and shared. When I use the word family in a diverse group like this, I'm sure that it conjures up emotions 
and different visions of what a family is. We've all been raised with different, a different kind of family. Some of you were raised in loving families with a mom and dad, brothers and sisters, ones that supported you, loved you. Some of you grew up in families that were dysfunctional. They were split up. They didn't support. You didn't have the love and the care that you had, that you should have had. And some, you, some of you grew up in just toxic families, ones that were not good to grow up in. And despite the name, family never, your family never functioned as a true family. Some of you lost your family due to death or to divorce or other reasons. Just two weeks ago, I lost my dad. Four-year battle of dementia. It sucks. That's difficult. That's the kind of things that you go through when you're in a family. Family is often where, man, this is loud and not loud. Family is where you often witness the most joy and often where you experience the most pain, isn't it? The word family can invoke emotions of joy, emotions of anger, emotions of frustration, sadness. The word family can can invoke a feeling of security or emotions of loneliness or insecurity, depending on what you're raised with. When God created man, he said it is not good for man to be alone. See, God even knew that man couldn't even take care of himself, so he needed a helper, right? So what did he do? God created woman as a helpmeet suitable for him. Then what, what did God do after he created man and woman? What was his next directive? Anybody? Anybody want to take a guess? He blessed them and told them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. See, even after the flood, he reiterated that with Noah. In Genesis 9, verse 7 says, And as for you, be fruitful and multiply. Bring forth abundantly in the earth and multiply in it. God's plan from the very beginning was for family, for us to understand, embrace, and function within a family. Why did God establish families? Anybody want to take a guess? No? To exist in community? That's good. That's good. See, marriage and family is not a social experiment. I think we look at it that sometimes, right? This isn't something that man made up that can be accepted or rejected depending on your education, your careers, or your financial goals. Look at the world around you. It's trending that less and less people are getting married. Less and less people are establishing families. It's not a good thing. God established families because it's through families that his will is carried out. It's how he shows the world who he is. It's how he shows his love to the world. Now I know that sinful man, we've messed it up, haven't we? But in the beginning, 
In the beginning, God created it to show the world how we are to love one another, to show the world, to display his love to the world. And it's through family that he will continue to reach the world. So what if your family's messed up? I guess probably all of our families are a little messed up, right? If we're just going to be really honest, there's always, there's always, like I said, there's always that crazy aunt and uncle. There's always that brother that's just a little out there. So what if your family's messed up and it really isn't showing the world God because of its dysfunction? Today you've been given a second chance at family. You have. You've been given a second chance of having the family that God wants you to have. And I'm sure some of you are like, you came from such a dysfunctional family that you're like, nope, nope, I don't need a family. I pass. I don't need to do that again. The first time was horrible. You may be fine with your 1,382-foot Facebook friends or your 875 Instagram followers. Some of you younger guys are like, yeah, I got, my, I got my Fortnite buddies or my Call of Duty bros. I don't need family. That's not family, right? Your Facebook friends are not your family. Can I get an amen? Yeah, that wasn't great. You guys don't, really? I don't think you believe me. You do need family. We do need family. We are to function in community. Like Tracy said, we're to, con we're to function. We are not to be an island within ourselves. In Montana, we think that, and, and probably here in Spokane too, we have a really independent spirit. In Montana, it's like you do things, you pull yourself up by your bootstraps, you do it yourself, you don't ask for help. It's, it's really to a detriment. That's not how God intended for it to be. We're to function within family. We're to have friends. We're to have close relationships that we can depend on, that we can lean on. So you getting up this morning, you may not know this, but you getting up this morning, you combing your hair, hopefully you brush your teeth, and you put deodorant on, and you drove here today. It was your first step to your second chance of having the family God wants you to have. All right, I, I started by giving Matt a message that if you listen to this later, I apologize, but I am going to say something that's pretty bold, and Matt can clean it up later when he gets back. River's Edge is not a church. I feel strongly about this. River's Edge is not a place that you meet up with friends on Sundays that you decide not to go to the lake. River's Edge is not a place that you come just to check the box of religion. River's Edge is intended to be a family, a close-knit family that is there for you to lean on, to depend on, to be involved in, 
to intimately know one another, to support one another, to trust one another, to love one another, to be that kind of family that when you are struggling, you've got somebody to go to and say, man, I'm struggling. I need help. It's not just a place that you show up once a week. I think we look at churches as a place that we go to once a week and we just check that box. Okay, I've done my thing for this week. I've done my good deed. I've, I've showed up to church. I've said hi to some friends. It's meant to be so much more than that. River's Edge is where you should experience love in a way you've never before experienced it. It's where God has planted you so that you can learn to extend love to others. River's Edge is a family that you've been placed into where you can be vulnerable and share your deepest fears, hopes, and dreams. And it's the family of River's Edge that walks beside you through those fears, hopes, and dreams. Amen? River's Edge is the family God has given you in order to show the world Jesus. So how about a little quiz? You have to score 70% or higher to go home. No. How many of you visited your website lately? Anybody? Yeah? Yeah? We got a few. That's good. That's good. Got a few. Nope. Haven't. I know you haven't visited your Facebook site because it's been over two years since you've had a post. In fact, the last post was August 5th, 2021. I, I guess, are you guys just so young you don't do Facebook anymore? Is that the deal? Like Facebook's old people stuff? I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm out of, out of, uh, out of coolness. Can anyone tell me? Okay, you, you put your phones down. Nobody looking. What's the statement on the front page of your website? What's that? Heaven. Yep. Yeah. Right there on the wall. But there's a statement right before that that I believe your leaders put it intentionally to describe you as a family, as a church. This is what your modern-day digital family crest says. It says, we are a family of missionary disciples who want to see God's will done in Spokane as it is in heaven. That's how you guys are described if you click learn more, the first line of your mission statement is we are a genuine expression of the family of God. Well, let's get real this morning. Do you think that's true? Yeah, I see some, I see some head shaking. I see some, mm, I don't know. It probably depends on how you're raised as a family. I mean, think about families. This is not my notes. I'm going to go off a little bit. The whole, I'm glad you like that. My favorite. <laughs> Think about our, God is described as our father. We are described as his children. I don't think that is done by mistake. God, again, is exemplifying family. We are to exist in that family structure. The world has messed it up. So when we talk about a heavenly father, 
probably 60 to 70% of you in here, like you had a bad experience with an earthly father. So you're like, yeah, I don't want anything to do with a heavenly father. It's Satan trying to get in there and mess that stuff up. But God wants us to function as a family. How does your attitude towards River's Edge and the people that make up this church line up with that mission statement? Think about it. Think about it. How do your actions here each Sunday and throughout the week mesh with that statement? So let me give you an example. At Revive Bitter, we are driven by a culture of friendliness. So that's what drives our culture of our church. This is the mission statement that we began the church with five years ago. We began Revive Bitterroot out of a love for our God and a heart for people. Our desire to function as a healthy family, caring deeply for one and each other, our longing to be a place where the Holy Spirit is truly free to move through worship, ministry, and the Word. That's our mission statement is what drives our culture as a family. And one thing that I did when we first started is I said, we're not going to have any greeters team, greeting teams. Not going to have any greeters. And that's a little bit different. If you go to a big church, a mega church, which I love, I love big churches, I love going, you are said hi to like 25 times from your car to your seat, okay? But not once does anybody say, hello, what's your name? All it is is hello, and then you're just, you're just shoved through, okay? There's no personal contact. Just because somebody says hi to me, there's no personal contact. So I said we're not going to have any greeters teams because if we have a team at the door, which I know Janny was greeting, and I'm not trying to put that down, but if we have a team at the door greeting, what do the rest of you guys get to do? Nothing. You get to get in your little, little friend groups, and you get to say hi, and you get to talk while all the visitors are back here sitting down going, man, nobody's saying hi to me except the person at the door. So we have made it where everybody is greeters. And I constantly remind them, you have to be stepping out and being friendly. We had an extended leadership group that we meet with once a quarter, and there's about 50 in that group. And we went through these whys and what drives our culture. And they came up with friendliness as one of the main reasons, main why that drives our culture. And I said, okay, as we grow, right now we have probably about 380 that come on a monthly basis. It's in the summer, so not everybody's showing up every week. But we have about 380 that attend our church that I would consider call our church home. I said, as we grow, which we're growing, growing at a pretty significant rate, if you add another 100 people to that group and you and the 50 that are there are not friendly, if you guys are not perpetuating that culture, the friendliness is it's going to go away. I said it's up to you to perpetuate that culture. It's up to you to get out of your seats and go say hi to somebody. And I know that I have introverts in here, and I have extroverts. And I know I'm an extrovert, so it's super easy for me to go hi, say hi to somebody. And if you're an introvert, I understand that that's difficult for you. But look around, because the person that comes in and slips in a seat, 
they're probably an introvert too. And so it's okay to calmly go up and say, hi, my name is Stacy. I'm glad you're here. Okay? Because they're kind of freaked out as well. So it takes all people to connect with all people. And so if you guys want to have a church that's a family, you have to be the one doing that. It can't be Matt. It can't be Evan. It can't be Tracy. It can't just be a few of you. It has to be everybody. It can't be the greeter at the door on Sunday. It has to be everybody perpetuating that as a family. So my question for this family is, are you actively doing your part to make River's Edge a family of missionary disciples who want to see God's will done here in Spokane as it is in heaven? Ask yourself that. I want to give you three things this morning that might help you become a sold-out, invested member of the family that is River's Edge. First of all, you have to take the first step. Now, I know that's kind of a dust statement, and those of you who are already questioning why Matt asked me here might be really questioning his wisdom, but hear me out. See, the first step is always the hardest, isn't it? It's the one that takes the faith. It's the one that takes courage to take that first step. Whether you're the one stepping out and getting involved in someone's life, or you're the one that's inviting someone in to your life, that takes courage. That takes bravery and trust. You have to take the first step to become better connected as a River's Edge family. Once you become connected here, the next level, I believe, is hospitality. Now, hospitality can be kind of an old-fashioned word for you. Those of you under 30, that means barbecue and cornhole and hanging out, okay? Hospitality is something that takes your relationship to the next level. You can't do that here at church. You can't become the family. And I love the fact that you've got the picnic in the park, right? That's, is that today? Is that this afternoon? Yeah, at 4.30? That's amazing. Those times will make you a family. I really highly encourage you to make that an important part of your day, important part of what you want to do, what of, of this church. I mean, I'd rather, I'd almost rather have you come there than here. I, I would. Because if you will connect on a deep personal level at the park, you'll want to be here. And you'll want to be supporting one another. And you'll want to be loving one another. And you'll be that person that somebody can depend on. And you'll have people in your lives that you can turn and depend on. So check this about how out about hospitality. Hebrews 13.2 says, Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers, for some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. 1 Peter 4.9 commands, Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. Romans 12.13 encourages us, encourages us to, when, God, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Man, having a meal together, spending an evening together, playing a game of Catan is a great first step to becoming a family that you want to be. It's a great way to get to know one another. It's a great way to, to become deeper involved in each other's lives. See, the world out there 
is becoming more and more distant from one another. They're pulling back. COVID caused a lot of that, didn't it? Where people just pulled back. They wanted nothing to do with one another. They became buried in their house. But they, but they are, even though loneliness, I think is, is what I'm hearing and reading is almost to epidemic proportions. They desire to have family. They desire to be loved. They desire to be a part of something. And River's Edge, if you guys will become the family that God intended you to be, they will be attracted to this family like, like never before. Let's look at what a church family should look like. To do that, let's read Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 42. Jesus told them to stay in Jerusalem. Remember right before he ascended into heaven, he told them, stay in Jerusalem before, so the Holy Spirit will come upon you and give you the power that you need to share the gospel. So they're in an upper room, 120 of them. The Holy Spirit falls on them. They begin to speak in tongues, and if it's, you read, it says the crowd rushed to see what was going on. And they're all speaking in these different languages. And they start saying, well, they're drunk. And Peter stands up and says, wait a second, this isn't Seattle. This is Spokane. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. They're not drunk. So Peter goes on to preach. And it says 3,000 were baptized and added to that family. I mean, this is a small family of 120. 40 days earlier, their leader had been crucified on a cross. And then he ascends to heaven. Holy Spirit falls on him. This is what we read in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to share in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to pray. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. Let's pause right there. I have heard this verse taken out of context many, many times, actually used against the church. They said, wait a second, we're not supposed to have pastors and a building and all the stuff that goes with the church because it didn't happen in the New Testament. The new church, they met in each other's homes, right? You can't take it out of context. you got to keep reading. Here's the next verses. It says, they worshiped together at the temple each day. Then they met in homes of, uh, for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. They were a family, and people were being attracted to that family. They worshiped together in the temple. So the second way we become a family is worship together. We had a worship night on Wednesday, and it was, it was amazing. It was probably... I don't know, it was the best worship night we've had in the five years we've been a church. And the Holy Spirit was there. People were worshiping. People were praying. And you left there with a sense of closeness, that we just took another step closer to one another and closer to God. 
by worshiping together regularly here at River's Edge in your homes. That's another way of becoming a family. See, Scripture tells us that the early church had daily barbecues and charcuterie boards in their homes, but they also worshiped together, didn't they? They did. How many of you grew up in church? Can I see a hand? Oh, quite a few. Quite a few. Do you remember how often you went to church? We went Sunday morning. We went Sunday night. We went Wednesday night. There was usually Thursday night barbecue, or, uh, Bible study. Barbecue's on my mind already. The amount of times that we met together helped us become a family. We don't have that anymore, do we? We have Sunday morning, and occasionally we have Sunday afternoon in the park. We need to be meeting together more often. And I'm not necessarily saying here, but together. We need to be inviting one, one another over for church or over for just fellowship and hanging out and having a good time. My older generation, I want to talk to you guys a little bit. How, what's the last time that you've met or that you've asked the younger generation over for a meal? Younger generation. Do you look at the olders and go, well, yeah, they still play croquet. They don't know what slam cam is or, or what cornhole is. I just challenge you guys. You guys have an amazing church. We looked around, Ann and I, we talked about it. There are so many young families here. There's a diversity of ages. I'm excited for this church. I don't know if you guys are, but I am. I remember what this building looked like before it was remodeled. I spent many, many hours in that bathroom right there, putting tile down. And we did a lot of praying while we were remodeling. Praying for you guys, praying for this church. I've got an excitement for this church, and I hope that you do. But you have to take it outside the church, and you have to do it during the week. Make time. If you don't have any capacity in your schedule, ask God, what do I need to lay down? What do I need to lay down so I have capacity to invite people in to my home? Invite people into my life so that we can become the family that we need to be. Amen? Wow, that was a big amen. And the last thing we should keep in mind in order to become a family that God wants us to be is that someone is missing, and it's up to you to find them. What do I mean by that? See, sometimes the process of becoming a family, we can get so comfortable with each other this is a little bit of a warning, that we become a close-knit family that really loves and support one, supports one another, but we forget that not everyone's here. So my mother-in-law lives with us, and she loves to put jigsaw puzzles together. Anybody put puzzles together? Good. I don't. I can't stand it. What do you do the first? When you put a puzzle together, what's the first thing you do? Put the border together, right? Yeah. 
we build a puzzle from the outside, or yeah, from the outside in, don't we? God builds a church from the inside out. There is never a border on the jigsaw puzzle called River's Edge. There's always a missing piece. There's always somebody in that chair. There's somebody supposed to be in that chair right now. He's missing. It's up to you to go find him. It's up to you to invite him. There's somebody missing. That's what God wants you to understand. A church isn't just a group of people. You never... We talk about having a bigger building. Right now we have two services. And we might have to go to three in the fall. I don't know. But we talk about having a bigger building, and I hear people all the time saying, oh, it'll be great when we have a bigger building and we can have one service and we can be all together. No, we're never all together. There's always somebody missing. That chair needs to be full next to you. You need to have your arm around somebody there and somebody there. And I know that gets uncomfortable when you're packed in, Sometimes we don't like to sit next to each other. I'm sorry. Family's messy. Button it up. Let's go. Let's pack this place out. There's always somebody missing. So if you come here on Sunday and you're comfortable with the few friends that you say hi to, I challenge you to get out of that comfortability and say, no, 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 no. I'm not happy with just who's here. There's somebody missing somebody missing. I challenge you to invite somebody to church because the world out there is dying to be a part of a family. They're dying to be loved. And I know when you say something about church, people, oh, no, I don't want anything to do with church. And you can just say, hey, come, come check us out. Come be a part of our family. Come hang out with us. Hey, the park's a great way to invite somebody. They don't even have to come here. They can go to the park. Come to the park and hang out with us. Play some cornhole. Come see that we're not crazy. No, some of us are, but not all of us. There's always somebody missing. Revive Bitterroot's grown from about 35 people to, like I said, about three, somewhere 380, 400 in the last five years. And I attribute that to several things. The main thing is that every member of Revive Bitterroot is inviting friends to join our family. See, they've caught the vision of family. They know what it's like to be a part of the family. They know what it's like to have an accepting, supporting, loving church family, and they're inviting people to be a part of that. We probably have 10 to 15 visitors a week. In fact, we were watching the live stream on and every time they went to the wide shot, we'd be like, oh, there's a new couple. There's a new couple. You know, and we were like, oh, we're going to text Vince and Diane and find out if they met the people in front of me so we know their names. But there's always new people. And I, I assure you, they're not coming to see me. They're not. We're not building a ministry on Stacy Ratliff. We're building God's kingdom on his love and the model of being a family. So River's Edge, God created family. He put you in a family growing up, and no matter how functional or dysfunctional that was, you now have a second chance to be a part of a family. You have a church 
that is your family. A place to invite others to experience God's love in a way that they've never experienced it. To experience family support that they've never experienced. Is family messy? Yep. But in that mess is love. Right in the middle of that mess is forgiveness. In the middle of that mess is encouragement and support and a sense of belonging that people out there are dying for. They really want to be known. They want to feel important. They want to be known and recognized. And they want to be a part of a family. So I encourage you today to take up the challenge and start becoming the family that God intends you to be so that you can see the kingdom of God here in Spokane as it is in heaven. Thanks.